Dionisio at the plate. He's over two today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's oh, it's raining now. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. I am Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. This is episode number 115, Jack. Uh, and uh, before we uh, launch into our normal uh, rookie updates, uh, we just wanted to, to do a little dedication up top, Jack. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Jeremy and I, uh, we like to go to a local bar in our Ravenswood neighborhood called Ten Cat. Uh, it's a fun uh, divey bar uh, with a lot of pool tables, and it's always uh, they always have a baseball game on television. But probably the thing we like best about going into Ten Cat is uh, we'd go in there on a Friday or Saturday night, and we'd usually uh, run into an uh, older guy behind the bar named Dave. Uh, and Jeremy and I would go in there enough, and we'd talk baseball enough that eventually Dave kind of uh, came over to us, mm-hmm. and he started talking baseball with us too. Uh, and so just it turned into. Every time we would go in there, the three of us would talk baseball for like two or three hours, uh, and it was it was super fun for us to go in there. Uh, and recently, I went into Ten Cat after not having been in there since before the pandemic happened, um, and uh, there was a younger guy bartending there. And I asked him, uh, I asked after Dave, uh, and what had happened to him. He he mentioned that Dave had had passed away. So we'd like to dedicate uh, episode one fifteen to Dave uh, from Ten Cat. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, we were discussing like, uh, you know, should we mention it on the podcast, whatever. Um, but like uh, such an integral part of um, of of us being baseball fans, like, you know, is obviously and just any baseball fan is, is going and talking trash about baseball for, you know, for hours at, at bars, like over drinks and whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, and that's totally how it, how it ended up, Jack. It's like me and you are neither not really uh, like kind of like uh, extroverted guys where we're like, hey, what do you think about, you know, uh, Jason Hayward's batting average or whatever to like a random guy. But like we would we would sit at the bar and, and just talk baseball so much that he couldn't help but kind of come over and and engage us and, and start you know talking baseball with us. And yeah, we, we spent many a nights there just kind of like just throwing back beers and, and whiskey and talking baseball with with Dave and um it uh it it does like change like the whole like um kind of like uh thought of going to that bar like knowing that uh, he won't be around to uh to talk baseball with so um it's a it's a, it's a sad sad loss you know? yeah ab- absolutely and it, it should be said that Dave was a Cubs fan but he wasn't like yep. a he wasn't a Cubs homer he was a, he was a pretty no. realistic Cubs fan he was able to look at things objectively um, Jeremy, I would also say that you're not a Cubs homer either, although just the, these last couple episodes, man, you know, like sometimes I realized, well, maybe Jeremy actually, you know, if a, guy, a guy who's going to mark out over Arizmendi Alcantara over text is, you know, I don't know, is, is definitely questionable. But yeah, Dave was, uh, Dave was a really good, uh, just a good fan of the game who was able to look at things objectively. Uh, and he, you know, he, he knew the score, as they say. He just, yeah. he, he always, uh, he was always on top of things. He always knew what was going on. And I will say this, Jeremy, when I was in Ten Cat, uh, it was cool. Um, they, you know, they still had baseball on. Ten Cat is a bar you can always, yeah. you can go to, and they will always, uh, they'll always have baseball on. So that was where I, that was where I first came to realize that Cole Calhoun is now on the Diamondbacks, oh, yes, which I did, sure. I did not know. I don't, and that might have happened last year. I don't know. But anyway, um, it, it was did, good actually. to go back there. But like you said, Jeremy, it definitely changes the dynamic of going into Ten Cat. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, yeah, uh, Dave was one of the first guys to uh, 
to trash the the Tyler uh, Chatwood signing. I remember <laughs> that. I remember that. He was like, this guy, like, you know, we're giving this guy this much money. Like, what what's the deal with that? And I was trying to be optimistic at that point, but it, he was he was making some good points. And I think in the, in the long run, he was he was definitely right about that signing. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dave, uh, you know, we dedicate this podcast to him. Uh, and Jeremy, I'm sure we'll we'll come back. We'll go back to 10 cats sometime, but uh, it won't be the same. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, um, let's, um, let's get to our, uh, our 2015 rookie debuts, Jack. Um, who do you have this week? Yeah, Jeremy. Well, I told you this one's kind of basic, um, and well, basic for this podcast. And I'm sure we've talked about him on this podcast before, but my 2015 debut is none other than the switch pitcher who we saw for the Oakland A's in the epic 2015, uh, extra inning game. On a Monday night at uh, uh, White Sox at the White Sox game, uh, it was Pat Vendetti is uh, is my choice. Jeremy, yeah. I, I choose him because yeah, he was a switch pitcher. I knew about him. I had like read about him when he was called up that year in 2015. Um, he was he was kind of a story. He never really did much in the big leagues. He played parts of uh, five seasons um, with like six different teams. So he just kind of jumped around. He was never really very good in the big leagues, but he was a switch pitcher, which was really cool. So whatever whatever split um, the you know gave the batter the disadvantage is what uh, what Vendetti would pitch. So you know a lot of times if he was up against a switch hitter, he would he would pitch from the left side because most guys are are worse uh, worse hitting right-handed against, uh, you know, against left-handed pitchers uh, who are switch hitters. So just stuff like that. But, you know, you got to see him. He wore, like, a special glove that he could kind of switch out at a moment's notice. It was really cool. And even though he wasn't an exceptional player, it was cool to uh, – it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see something like that. It's yep. a once-in-a-blue-moon thing. Um, you and I could be going to baseball games for the rest of our lives. Uh, we'll never see that again. So it was, it was pretty cool to watch him pitch. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, we got to see like the moment where he like, you know, switched the the mitt on his hand, which was pretty cool. Um, I guess I didn't even really think about it, but like we we saw his rookie year too, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was 30 years old already at that point. I mm-hmm. think he played in like independent ball. Like I think he played with like the Staten Island Yankees or something. Some kind of or maybe maybe that was a minor league team, but I cuz I he was drafted by the Yankees too, but um I, I kind of remember him playing on some kind of like weird like New York Penn League team or something. Um, but uh, he also pitched last year, so maybe he's not completely done. I, it doesn't look like he's in the minors with anyone, but I, I'm not sure. His Twitter profile lists him being as with the Marlins organization, it seems. So okay. maybe he's at some type of alternate site or he's planning on playing in tri- AAA. Uh, but I am a fan of his, and uh, if yeah. he's ever on a roster – for a team that's uh, in Chicago, you know, I want to try to I want to try to go see it because it's a cool thing. It's not something you're going to see every day. Uh, that you, that's one of the best things about going to a baseball game is that you're, you're there's always a chance you're going to see something new, and that was certainly new. And Jeremy, you know, who could ever forget? We've talked about it on this podcast before. It was one of the most epic games we ever went to. It was a 14 <laughs> inning, extra inning game on a Monday night. Uh, White Sox A's. We were at the end of that game. We were probably one of uh, two of about 300 people. Left Marcus Semyon was playing for the Oakland A's. Some kids were calling him Marcus Seaman, and I'm sure he could hear it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that it, it, the creativity was really coming out at, at that late hour of the night there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I kind of don't remember. Yeah, I, I remember like just being concerned about getting home because we, we had taken the train down there. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good game. Um, but yeah, uh, so good stuff there for sure, and mm-hmm. we'll see if he we'll see if he pops up again. Um, Jack, my uh, 2015 debut is uh, Pete O'Brien. 
Pete O'Brien. Uh, yeah, Peter wow. Peter O'Brien. I guess he he went he like you know he went by. I think I think he went by Pete also. But um, yeah, Jack, not ringing a bell. Let me see. You know, I I, I remember this guy. We I know. Yeah. You know what? I think we saw him in a I game for did. the Marlins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's quite possible. I saw him uh, in New Orleans in AAA in 2018. Okay. Um, oh, I actually. remember. You said he hit a home run, right? He hit a he hit a, hit a home run. Yeah. Um. And and uh, he seemed to like have some power. Like if you look at his minor league numbers, again, this is another one of those guys. I think I brought up Dylan Cousins a couple uh, weeks ago on the podcast, but uh, but um, uh, Pete O'Brien um, minor league uh, numbers. Um, pretty pretty stellar like in terms of power yeah uh, this guy's a this guy's a monster if you look at his yeah. minor league numbers wow yeah it did, did not translate to the major leagues <laughs> um but uh but yeah like I, i'm trying to get like a, a simple view here of his um of his numbers but uh i mean like a lot of double digit numbers um in 2018 uh the year that i saw him hit a, hit a homer he hit 30 homers combined over uh uh double and triple a with uh, two two organizations um, and, uh, yeah, so stuff like that in 2017, he hit, he hit 15 homers. I mean, the average was 191, so not great. Um, but, uh, yeah, 2016, he hit uh, 24 homers. So yeah, just didn't really make it happen in the big leagues, but, uh, Pete O'Brien, um, drafted by the Yankees. Um, I mean, he's with so many different organizations. Uh, um, the, the, the the Marlins the uh, the Diamondbacks I, th- I think he debuted as a Diamondback um, and uh, I don't know just yeah. a lot of other teams I mean crazy Jeremy a second round pick in in 2012 uh, of the Yankees so I, at this point that's a pretty high draft pick for a, for a guy who never really did anything in the majors yeah. so I, I think it's safe to call the guy a bust based yeah. on a couple things not only his high draft status but also those monster minor league numbers I mean you didn't even mention it. But you know, 20, uh, 2015, he had 26 homers and 107 RBIs, and he hit 284. 2014, he had 34 homers, he had 271. Uh, 2013, in A and high A ball, he had 22 homers and 96 RBIs, and he had 291. So yeah, this guy was mashing. Uh, Jeremy, you're the big prospect guy. Was this guy like a, a top 30 prospect at some point? I mean, with those power numbers, he, he must have been pretty high. This is one of those guys where like he had already kind of like surfaced like when I was really starting to like really, really retain like, like a wide, a wider range of, of, you know, prospect knowledge, I think. So I got the feeling like he was a guy who had been talked about for, for many years, like for several years leading up to his actual debut. But, um, um, God, honestly, Jack, his, his baseball reference page is so like, there's so much going on that like, it's hard for me to get like a simple view. Okay. So he, he debuted in 2015, I, I feel like at that point with the with the D-backs, I feel like at that point um, was probably about when I heard of him. So, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that you know I might not have been super tuned in uh, prior to that. So, well, even so, yeah. even I will say, Jeremy, uh, in 2016 with the Diamondbacks, he batted 64 times and he had five homers. He hit 141, but yeah. like he was still he was still flashing power. But uh, it doesn't even seem like may, you know maybe he's in a minor league system somewhere, probably. But he's also probably he's also 30 years old at this point. So yeah. I think the uh, almost 31. So I think the ship has has sailed on Peter O'Brien, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm happy that I saw him in AAA because I feel like that's where he he, he peaked, you know. <laughs> um, so it's like, all right, cool. Like this is this is peak Pete O'Brien that I'm seeing right here um, in the minors. So um, in AAA. So that's that's where guys like that, uh, if they as long as they want to hang on, they could probably probably still rake in a 
you know, a, a weekly stipend of for, for meal money, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's my guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I'm, so there all right. Go. I like it. Well, Jeremy, yesterday we, uh, we saw no hitter happen. We almost saw history. Well, I guess we kind of saw history. Man. It was a no hitter, but it was almost, yeah. a, it was almost a perfect game. There were only two outs left to go. Carlos Rodon pitched a no hitter for the White Sox. It's funny because before that game even happened, I was on my way home from work and I was aware that the White Sox were playing and I thought, man, because it was freezing out yesterday. It's early spring mm-hmm. in Chicago. That's how we do. But like <laughs> it was it was fucking freezing out. And I thought, my God, it's a terrible night to go watch a baseball game. I bet nobody I would I would it would suck to have tickets to this game because it's so cold. It was yep. like 38 degrees and overcast and it was just freezing outside. And I thought, man, I bet that's a, that's going to be an easy ticket tonight. We you know, we could have gotten tickets for like four bucks in a regular year. And of course, sure. that's the night that Carlos Rodon uh, just goes on this this epic run. And I it, I guess it figures it was it was good weather for pitching. But uh, my God, you know, you, you, you just you just never know. You never know when you're going to see history. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I it's uh, crazy. It's, you know, obviously like, yeah, not the most likeliest guy on the on the White Sox pitching staff to throw a no hitter. Um and the the way he lost the perfect game is is brutal. Uh, just like I I was looking for um, I tweeted out like looking for a list of um, team uh, pitchers who like had a no hitter and the only base runner was a hit by pitch and like of the three hundred twenty seven no hitters or whatever it was that have been thrown, um, I think there was like five. Uh, where the only base runner was a no hitter or was it was a hit by pitch um the previous time that it happened jack yeah, did you see that list by the way do you know I did. The previous... uh so yeah, so okay. musgrove it was with musgrove five <laughs> yeah, days five, ago five days ago yeah, i, yeah, I exactly. didn't see the musgrove hit by pitch jeremy was that one pretty pretty like blatant no, um I, I didn't see it either but okay. it did it, but it happened in like the fourth or fifth inning now so oh, okay like, okay so yeah they weren't even really tracking a, a no hitter at that point Correct. Yeah. So that's that would be the next thing then is like, you know, the latest to lose a no hitter with I mean, that's got to be like one of that's got to be like the latest. Well, Jeremy, I want to say that now now don't quote me on this, but I think that the 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 Max Scherzer game from 2015, I think he had two outs in the in the ninth. Did he? When, when he lost it. when and, and so that was the one. That one, for me, that was a lot more devastating than the Rodon one. I remember watching that game, and Scherzer was dialed in. And when he's, like, really fired up, he's fun to watch. So he was super intense. He knew he wanted it. You know, he could fucking taste it. He wanted it so bad. And then Jose Tabata, with his, like, RoboCop uh, elbow brace on his arm, leaned in. He leaned into the pitch, and it hit him on the, the elbow brace, and the ump gave him first base, and Scherzer, Scherzer lost it. I want to say it was with two yeah, outs. Yeah. I remember it was just. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just devastating. Now the thing with the Rodon one, if you go back and watch the replay, uh, is that that it would it was hard for that was Roberto Perez. He hit right. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It would uh, that was a would a hard one for Perez to get out of the way of. He would have literally had to leave his feet. He would have had to jump over the ball. That ball, like it came inside. I, it. Looked like it broke inside at the last minute and just and hit him in the uh, and hit him in the foot. It, yeah. it, there was really nothing Perez could have done to get out of the way of it. It was just that was on Rodon. It's just unfortunate. But the the cool part was just the the defensive uh, 
the defensive plays that were made in the ninth inning. Jose Abreu, I think he made the first out on that ground out. That was a that was the play of the game. It was so acrobatic from a guy like that, just giving up his body to get his yep. teammate the perfect game. It was awesome. And I'll give the, the Indians guy credit, too, busting his ass down the line, really trying to break up the perfect game, sliding into first base. It was a great bang-bang baseball play. Yeah, it was. And honestly, like he uh, that was Josh Naylor, I believe, that that happened with. Uh-huh. If he would have touched home, if he would have touched first base with his right hand, which was like in the lead, he he would have beat Abreu, but somehow it just slipped by and he touched it with. I almost wonder if he maybe pulled a punch there and like you know for the <laughs> for the sake of preserving the no hitter. I don't yeah, know. Man. He did a did a, a league of their own, you know, only at yeah. first base instead of uh, instead of home plate. Yeah, um, maybe. So um so yeah, that's interesting um and. Uh, well, we'll talk about um, we'll talk about etiquette uh, later on with no hitters, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think um, uh, I, well, real quick about the Scherzer thing, like that is true. I, I kind of I, I forgot about all that, but um, I I tell my friend um, Mark uh, Mark Bubblebath, who's who's been on the podcast, he's a he's a a, a horse he he uh, he's he's a horse gambler. <laughs> um, he uh, horse racing gambler. We we haven't really talked too much about that, I don't think, but. Uh, he, as any good gambler has, uh, he has, you know, these heartbreaking stories of losing at the Y at, you know, at the, at the wire by, um, by a nose or something, you know, like you bet a horse that it loses, it's a photo finish and they lose by a nose. And I I've told him before, it's like, um, it's, you know, if, uh, like it's not worth losing unless it's excruciating painful. Like, like, you know, if you're going to lose, you it might as well be excruciatingly painful. Um, so, <laughs> so Is that what Mark says? That's what I said to okay, him. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, because why lose by like, you know, if you're going to lose, why lose by like a mile when you can lose like in the most painful sort of sort of way, you know? That's just, uh, Jeremy, we, we've always talked about going to the horse track. Um, I'm not yeah. much of a gambler, but just as a lark, we definitely should do it for this podcast. We yes. should definitely get Mark Bubble Bath back on there back on here and i definitely want to hear some of these devastating stories about him losing because i'm i'm sure it would be oh, yeah pretty damn funny there, there's another thing that's at i don't know if this is at every horse track or it might just be at um i think it's at um hawthorne racetrack uh but they have like a, a like a thing painted on the wall just like you know how like um notre dame has like the like play like a champion today uh-huh. um they have painted on the wall um the saying uh, let's see. The less you bet, the more you lose when you win. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just fantastic. Like, and basically promotes degenerate gambling uh, in a place where there's no other point to be there other than to degenerately gamble. Um, so yeah. Did I did I ever tell you one of the first times I met Mark? Um, you know, I asked, I asked him, I, you know, just like, what do you, what did he, what, what he did? What, you know, I was like, so what do you, what do you do, Mark? And his, his answer was, he goes, well, I'm a failed musician. Uh, never heard anyone describe themselves as just being a, a, a failed something. But, yeah. uh, that was, that was pretty good, Jeremy. When you meet a guy like that, you, you hold on to him for forever as a friend. Because, uh, there's, you know, there's just never like a, a, a lack of uh, stories. Oh, that's beautiful. Like that. um, yeah. So, yeah, Carlos Rodon, no hitter. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, super, super uh, awesome. And one, one more thing about that. 
is that it was the White Sox 20th no-hitter in their history. Now, I know they've yeah. been around a long time, but that's one hell of a lot of no-hitters. The Brewers it, have had one in 50 years <laughs> by Juan right. Davis, and, like, the Padres just got their first one. How do the it, White Sox have 20? It doesn't make sense. It almost seems like a back, like a backhanded slight to Carlos Rodon. It's like, all right, congrats. Like, here's a list of 19 other guys who've done what you've done. <laughs> like, it's almost like... Yeah, it's like congratulations. Uh, there's been this many of the of these, um, and it's you know it's more than you can count on on two hands. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that was an interesting kind of slight, Jack. We didn't really talk about this yet either. But like, and I haven't I, I haven't really been listening to too much uh, like sports talk TV or radio. But um, it kind of almost feels like Carlos Rodon snubbed Zach Collins in the in the post game uh, celebration because he. He went to he went to Yohan Mankata, who made a great play to end the the game. But you see Zach Collins like running up to to pile up on on Rodon, which like whatever. There, I think there's been I think that was the three hundred either seventh or three hundred twenty seventh no hitter in history. I would say that the other three hundred twenty six of them, uh, with the exception of maybe the Henderson uh, Alvarez one, where, where he was on deck. Like I would say about 99% of them ended with the pitcher and the catcher embracing and Rodan in this case ran to the third baseman. Yeah. Really and, odd. You know, and that's especially because you said, as, as you said, Collins was running up to Rodan. That that's the ultimate version of, you, you know how like sometimes you, you, somebody waves at you and like yes. you, you wave back <laughs> at them, but it seems it turns out they're not waving. They're not actually waving at you. They're waving at somebody behind you. That's like right. the ultimate version of that. Yes. I, yeah. I feel, I feel bad for Zach Collins. Maybe like Rodon didn't like the game that Collins was calling, and he he was like, "Oh well, I, I threw a no hitter despite this guy." I don't th- <laughs> right. I don't think that's true. I think he just like Moncada just happened to be there, and like yeah. Rodon was looking in his direction, and Moncada made like a great great play on it. But yeah, Jeremy, I I, I think that even if there wasn't any intent about it, uh, I, I think it bears repeating that it did happen. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I yeah, I, he might have just. I think he just got caught up in the moment. They have probably been teammates longer than him and Zach Collins have, so there's that too. But uh, but yeah, so whatever. Um, it was uh, still pretty cool, and um, I gotta say that I I had Joe Musgrove and Carlos Rodon autographed cards that I've sold like you know last year or previous years, and I, if I would have held on to them, I could have made a quick you know windfall. But uh, oh well. <laughs> The well was dry on those two, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, so there you go. Carlos Rodon, the guy who bit his glove in 2018 when we saw him, uh, was throwing a no hitter last night. <laughs> um, Jack, the other thing that happened in the news this week was the Cubs Brewers, uh, series up in Milwaukee. Um, nothing much to, to, to write home about for the Cubs, um, uh, losing two of those three games. Um, but, uh, on, um, game two of the series which i believe was uh was that tuesday night yes um there was uh benches cleared and um you know uh, us at rain delay theater uh looking into the crystal ball a little bit um with the uh 0.5 over under on cubs brewers brawls we got one step closer to that happening uh this week uh where um uh the cubs threw behind ryan tapera for the cubs threw behind brandon woodruff uh of the of the brewers um Citing, sparking like um you know kind of like uh everyone's kind of uh hackles to get up a little bit um and uh then uh later on in the game wilson Contreras like crushed a, a two-run go-ahead homer in the uh top of the eighth or top of the ninth i, I think it was remember. the top of the eighth okay and um again um kind of 
and he he circled the bases basically like putting his finger up to his mouth like silencing the crowd um in just like a ultimate like troll like bad guy move um and uh yeah, so like the fans were um were were kind of letting them have it. Uh, Wilson Contreras in the post game said uh, it was good to shut them up. Yep. Um, and uh, the uh, color guy for the um, Brewers, uh, Bill Schroeder, right? Yes, Bill Schroeder. Um, yeah. Yeah. I uh, had uh, some choice words to say about Wilson Contreras. Um, and uh, we've also talked about Bill Schroeder before on this podcast. So, yeah, I, I, as you know, Jeremy, I'm not a fan. I, so I didn't see – so, I, you know, I was watching the game live on the Cubs broadcast because I was in Chicago, and, um, you know, I, I can't watch the Brewers um, broadcast of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. what, did, uh, what did Schroeder have to say about the Contreras homer? So as he hit the homer and uh, as he's circling the bases, Schroeder goes like, unbelievable, unbelievable. And he's like – you know, you see a lot of guys do this, uh, you know, celebrating, and it's just getting, it's just out of hand. It's just out of hand, and it's gonna get, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. And he's like, or something like that. And he's like, it's like this isn't, this is just the beginning, something like that. Oh, oh God. And uh, he he sounds kind of like a like a low rent Sam Elliott, like a, a guy trying to do a Sam Elliott impression, but just can't can't really nail it. Um, but. Uh, I, so listen, I had nothing to, bad to say about Bill Schroeder uh, up until this week, uh, Jack. I think sometimes familiarity breeds contempt uh, with like baseball teams and especially with announcers uh, because you 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 watch enough games and you you find things to like or dislike about guys that 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 people who just aren't in that hometown don't see on a day to day basis. Um, but the way that he reacted uh, to the to the home run, it just like. It, it made no, or like to, to the reaction of Contreras, it's like he was like he was, you know, disgusted by it. You know, newsflash, uh, old baseball guy disgusted by new baseball guys actions, you know, story at 10 <laughs> o'clock. Um, but like like it's like, you know what happened, right? You know what's been going on, not only this in the previous two weeks, but the previous like years with between these two teams, like it's clear what has led up to this. Like Contreras has been hit a handful of times. He, he, the benches cleared last week in Chicago. Like this is not an isolated incident. This is part of the story. And it's like, he was acting like he had like, you know, that this was the first, like Contreras just out of nowhere, like hatched from a space egg came out and then started like telling the fans to, 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 to zip it with his finger. Like, like there's a reason why this all happened. And like, like Contreras or not, it's like, that's part of the story that's been going on for, for years now. And it's like to react to it. Like, it's like, this is, this is, this is unacceptable. And it keeps getting worse. It's like, no, this is clearly because of what's been happening with the two teams. So like, I, it's just like, as do you, like, I get it. He's a Brewers guy. He, he should probably like, you know, if he's going to lean one side, like I get why he would lean to the Brewers side, but it's like, call what's happening. Like, like you know address what's actually happening in the story you know well uh so jeremy schroeder is a, a company man and uh yeah. you know a, a complete brewers homer and I, you've heard my thoughts on wisconsin sports yeah. fans on this podcast <laughs> sure. he's sure. pandering to wisconsin sports fans who would not be able to see this story even if they had seen the story you know what i <laughs> yeah. mean yeah um now, Bill Schroeder, he also, you know, you're you're doing the impression of him, Jeremy, and you know, it's not not a bad impression there. He's he's a big guy too. He can't say the word wasn't as in was not. He's got to say what. He's got to say wasn't. He's like, yeah, that was a pretty good play, wasn't it? 
Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to him. He'll say he loves to say wasn't instead of wasn't. <laughs> uh, Contreras absolutely crushed that ball, by the way. I mean, he crushed yeah. it. He crushed it over the bleachers. It was a, a just an absolute no-doubter. But, but Schroeder... He's pandering to Brewers fans. That's what he's doing. Um, you know, he, Mark Adonazio, whenever Mark Adonazio joins him and, and Brian Anderson in the booth, Schroeder, when they, when they cut, when they cut the, to the camera shot of those three guys in the booth, like Schroeder is just looking at Mark Adonazio like he wants to give him a big kiss. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this, Jeremy, but my first job ever was at Taco Bell in New Berlin, Wisconsin. And I think Schroeder lived, he lived in New Berlin. He might still live there. But he, Bill Schroeder came in and he ordered a grande combo from me when I was working the front register. Uh, and I asked him, oh, how man. many hard and how many soft tacos would you like? And he said, half and half. He said, oh, half and half. That's, that's how he said it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I actually served Bill Schroeder. And then I told everybody I was working with, I'm like, hey, guys, the Brewers announcer is, is here right now. And they're like, Bob Euchre? So that, that's who, uh, you know, that's how that is. That was their reaction. So that's how, that's how well-known Bill Schroeder uh, remains. Um, yeah, true story. I don't think I've ever talked about that. No, one you haven't. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, so here's the thing, Jeremy. On Monday night, I was I was uh, uh, hanging out with my folks in Wisconsin. And I was watching the Brewers broadcast of the game, and there was a play where Contreras, uh, the ball was in the dirt, and Contreras tried to backhand it. Um, you know, and, and it ended up being a, a wild pitch. And Schroeder was like, "Hey, you got to get down on your knees for that one." So he was criticizing Contreras even in the first game. Yeah. I think that Bill Schroeder just doesn't like Wilson Contreras. I'm sure he doesn't mm-hmm. like the Cubs, but I think that maybe specifically because Contreras is a catcher and he's 10 times the player Bill Schroeder was. Bill Schroeder was never anything more than a backup catcher in the major leagues. Yeah. He yeah. just kind of doesn't like him. Jeremy, there, some of these color guys, they uh, they develop a God complex, I think, if they've been doing if they've been doing it long enough, because really they're up there with the play-by-play guy, and no matter what they say, the play-by-play guy isn't going to correct them on anything, so they can just say whatever they want, and you know, no matter what they say, it's going to be right. And when you've been doing that for three decades, Schroeder has been the Brewers announcer since I can remember. He's been the Brewers announcer since the like the early to mid '90s. He's been doing he's been the color guy for the Brewers, um, and you know, it, thir- thirty years of nobody ever telling you you're wrong. Uh, you're, you're going to start to think everything everything you say is right. I mean, if you listen to Bill, if you listen to Bill Schroeder on a Brewers game, he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows everything about the game. He knows everything about catching, everything about pitching. Uh, you know, everything about about hitting. And this is a guy who was just a, a career backup catcher. He's he's the kind of guy Lou Pinella was talking about when he said, "There's a lot of people who've never put the uniform on who think they know everything." You know, why doesn't Bill Schroeder put the uniform on? There's thirty guy. There's thirty teams. Who could use a guy with that expertise? You know, why doesn't he become a farm director, get some kids up here? You know, that's that's what that's the kind of guy Lou Pinella was talking about. Like these retired baseball guys who just sit in a broadcast booth and think that everything they say is right and nobody ever corrects them. Uh, so like I'll you know, I'll give credit to the guys like, you know, these guys on the field like trying to become coaches or managers, like at least like their decisions are are criticized, but they're putting themselves out there. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my rant on Bill Schroeder. <laughs> I, I, I like that, uh, portrayal Jack of, of having a God complex. Um, and I feel like it's true in some ways. And I think that might be why Steve Stone might be, maybe rub some people the wrong way as well. And, uh, he, he certainly is feeling his oats on Twitter these days, Steve Stone. Um, oh, but, yeah. uh, it made me, made me think of the movie, <laughs> that movie Malice Jack with, with Alec Baldwin. I don't think I've ever seen that one. 
I don't even know the story behind it, but there's just a famous line that I remember of it. Alec Baldwin says, like, you ask me if I have a God complex? Let me th- let me tell you something. I am God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, made me think of that. Um, I, I don't know if the movie's as good as that line, but, uh, you know, you can picture an Alec Baldwin, um, you know, in, a, in his younger fighting days uh, saying that line and, uh, you know, Gives you gives you goosebumps a little bit. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a gif. I'm sure there's a gif of him saying, "I am God." Oh yeah, uh, definitely. definitely. Uh, but yeah, and and Steve Stone, that's that's a great call, uh, Jeremy as well. That's another guy. Ron Darling is another guy like that. Uh, just these guys who who you know who, who say things and they think they're always right. Um, there was yeah. another another funny thing that happened on Monday night. Something I've never seen before in all my years of watching baseball. The Brewers brought in a pitcher named Angel Perdomo. I think they wanted him to start the ninth inning. Um, and then the umpire discovered that he Perdomo was not listed on the lineup card that was given to the to the you know the, the umpire, the crew. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so Perdomo was not allowed to pitch. It turned out that that was a clerical error and uh, like they just forgot to list Perdomo's name on the lineup card. that that baffles me. Uh, I, have you ever seen that before? i've I've never seen that. I don't think so. I don't think like like, at, at my job uh, with with stats, like um, we we like have like a list, like if we're scoring a game, we have like the the active roster and stuff. And sometimes people aren't on there, but that's only from our own software where we don't have it updated in time. Like to have a guy like actually just not like eligible to to, to be in the game because they're not on the official roster um, uh, is yeah I. I can't say that I remember that ever happening. It's it, definitely an oddity. They they didn't they didn't specifically throw anybody under the bus for uh, for it, but they just they they said that he wasn't listed on the roster. They printed out. But are you telling me that it's nobody's job to check that before they give it to the umpire? <laughs> I I blame Pat Murphy, the bench coach, because I feel like it's usually the bench coach who like writes out the lineup card. Maybe not. I mean, it's it's different in every team. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Pat Murphy under the bus for this one. Jeremy, have you ever seen Pat Murphy? Have you ever like, <laughs> he, he comes from the Clint hurdle school of just being a, a complete oh, slab no. of beef. Yeah. You know, he's just like, the dude guys. is just a slab of beef. I think he's like a council. Like he's part of council's old boy network. I, he was, um, I mean, he was council's coach, I think at Notre Dame and they've just kind okay. of been, you know, they've been uh, hooked up, oh, uh, you God. know, ever since then. So he's got a, he's got a, a long time Craig council connection. But it's got to be it's it had to be somebody's fault. But the fact that nobody nobody on the Brewers staff would just would just glance over the lineup card, you know, like you might double check, uh, you know, uh, your your test answers before handing it in. I mean, a major league game is a pretty important thing. Um, uh, so so f- folks out there, you know, if you're a fan of a team who's playing the Dodgers, hey, hire some hacker to hack into the Dodgers mainframe uh, before a playoff game and and delete Bruce Dar Gratterall's name from the roster and you know hey if nobody <laughs> on the Dodgers staff happens to check it maybe maybe they couldn't bring Gratterall in I guess that could be a, a strategy for some team to use I, I was gonna say Jack you might you might want them to leave off Daniel Robertson from the from the roster because he's, he's getting <laughs> yeah. at bats Jack and if, if, for listeners if you if you don't if you missed uh last week's episode Jack there's a there's a very uh crucial bet riding on the amount of plate appearances that Daniel Robertson gets this year so that we'll be watching that one for there sure. Is, you, you, yeah, I think I think we might as well. That. Well, you know, for funsies, uh, well, Daniel Robertson is still on the roster because, by God, there is no way that he can possibly stay on the roster. Every week, we should do a Daniel Robertson tracker. Um, oh, yeah, good call. This good week, call. he is at twenty-three 
plate appearances. So 177 Ooh. plate appearances to go before I have to wear a Javi Baez to a, a, a Brewers game where they're not playing the Cubs. So just neutral, <laughs> a neutral Brewers game where I will have to wear a, uh, a Javi Baez jersey. And we actually thought, I actually suggested too, it'd be funny if Jeremy wore a Brewers shirt. So like, it's like he was inconspicuous and I just look like the asshole like guy who was wearing the Cubs jersey. Uh, it could be, could be fun. So there you go. So 177, <laughs> right. 177 at-bats to go. Daniel Robertson right now is hitting 136. He is three for 22 um, with a walk. So there's no way that he's going to get those 200 plate appearances. Well, listen, I, first of all, I thought you were going to say what I, what my response to that was, which was, I think like, how, how do I get dragged into this? But uh, <laughs> that's one thing. Number two, Pat Murphy is definitely a big chunk of meat uh, from looking at his <laughs> Google images uh, thing. Uh, number three, I kind of, this quote from, um, uh, from Craig council, Jack, listen, I, we haven't really talked about this. I'm, I, every, every Cubs Brewers game, actually real quick side note, every Cubs Brewers game, if they keep being as non-competitive as they, they have been so far, Daniel Robertson is going to get those plate appearances just in like Cubs games alone because the Brewers are going to figure like, hey, we can we can throw Robertson in there for a spot start because you know we don't need to put our A A team out there against the Cubs. Um, so okay, so to back to my original thing or the last thing I was saying, Craig Council, I kind of feel like with every time I see Craig Council, I I start disliking him more and more. Uh-huh. But I will say that it's it's definitely I would be lying if I didn't say it was some it was like not a uh like a respect sort of dislike like I just you know I, I don't know it's like when 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 I look at the score and the Cubs are losing to the Brewers like seven to nothing and the Cubs have like one hit and then I see Craig Council I get it's like it makes me hate him more um it makes me dislike him more so uh but he 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 kind of has like he's he, I feel like he's a little bit of a smart ass a little bit uh, Craig Council. Um, so he he gets under my skin a little bit. I got to say this this quote about it is kind of funny. He goes like, so in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article I'm looking at as well, he says, first of all, it's our responsibility. I don't want to skirt my responsibility in this thing. We don't put we don't put in the names for the lineup card. It's put in with active players on the roster. Um, somehow the transaction did not get recorded when our lineup got printed. Um, oh, he said. Oh, this is what he said. This is the quote. He said. We don't type in the names. The system types in the names. <laughs> it's just like, okay, man. Like, you're not blaming anyone, but now you're blaming like a innocuous like computer for like <laughs> for like missing this. Uh, he's like, we just fill in the batting order. So like, the system screwed up. You know, don't, like what it's like. You know, what what is it like? I'm not on trial. The system. I'm gonna put the whole system on trial. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's the uh, the Al Pacino movie, Injustice for All. He's like, you're you're guilty. I, uh, I'm guilty. The whole damn system is guilty, or, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for for sure. So like, I don't know. That's kind of a funny. Like, it's like I'm not. It's I'm. I'm. I'll take responsibility, but I didn't. Well, I'm not the one who did it. <laughs> It's like that kind of sort of there thing. You, and you know what the exact quote is? I, I'm remembering now. I think he says that someone tells him he's the judge, like tells him he's out of order, and he goes, "You're out of order. I'm out of order. The whole damn system is out of order." But it's like it's like '70s Pacino, so he's like, "You're right." He's like, "You're out of order." I, you know, like because you know that's how he talked in the '70s before he started smoking. Um, uh, so yeah, Jeremy, um, that's uh, that was a funny thing. Uh, again, I'd never I'd never seen that before. And uh, I certainly hope to never, never see it again because that was that was stupid. Um, I had another thing to to add here, um, and so so folks, our our actual topic 
for tonight is the unwritten rules of baseball. We'll get to that in a moment. But, you know, yes. we were both, Jeremy and I were both talking a lot about this Cubs Brewers series. And they're, they're only going to play each other six times all year. So, hey, we might as well uh, uh, dive into it a little bit. But, Jeremy, so having my first chance to really sit down and watch the Cubs for an extended period, I got to say, the team just looks dead right now. And I, mm-hmm. I wonder what this is going to do to David Ross's legacy because he's going to get fired in like a year or two uh, because they're going to they're probably going to suck and they're going to lose even more guys and he's just going to get fired. To me, David Ross was the type of guy on the 2016 Cubs who was in the right place at the right time. Every mm-hmm. nobody had ever he'd been in the league for like 15 years before he got to the Cubs in 2016 and nobody ever really gave a damn about him. He's he's like the type of guy who we would talk about in our MLB debuts thing where it's like, oh, this is kind of an obscure guy. But somehow, <laughs> because yeah. he ended up on this 2016 Cubs, he was on the 2013 Red Sox World Series team, too. But so, but somehow, because he ended up on this 2016 Cubs team, he became this like cult figure grandpa, grandpa rossi, rossi. yeah the old the old grizzled veteran on this like young fun team uh that was led by an eccentric manager every, every team every great team every memorable team needs personalities you had it with the with the chicago bears you know you had the punky qb uh william the refrigerator perry walter payton uh you know all those guys on the defense like steve mcmichael um you know the the, the 90s packers you had like brett Favre, the carefree quarterback and Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, and like Mark Chimura was the the hunk. Um, he also later became the guy who like drank alcohol in a hot tub with teenage girls. But that was before the Super Bowl stuff. But anyway, like you know, you, you, so you you have these teams with personalities, and on the Cubs, it was like Rizzo was like the leader, and Chris Bryant was like the All American, fresh faced guy, and Javi Baez was like this magician on defense, and then you had like David Ross, who was this the gr- the grizzled veteran. So like people yep. loved him. He had this great legacy in Chicago. He was a hero. Um, and he could have gone and managed another team. Like he could have gone and managed the Reds, and still his his legacy in Chicago would still be intact. Uh, but now I feel like this is just going to damage his legacy, man. Yeah, you know it's hard to say, Jack. I, I think like, um, and certainly like, you know, there were many years where Cubs fans were crying out for Ryan Sandberg to be the manager of the Cubs. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, you do you get do you remember that Ryan Sandberg managed the fucking Philadelphia Phillies? Like, yeah, he managed the Phillies for for one year. It might have been what was it twenty fourteen or something like that. He managed the Phillies. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and and so and he managed. He started managing the Cubs in the minor leagues, and people were like, myself kind of included, were were calling like like crying out for him to be the manager of the Cubs. But it's like. Cubs fans like you're better off that he never managed the Cubs because he would have been bad and he would have been fired and you would have it would have tarnished his legacy like kind of I mean I don't think Robin Ventura is quite like what Ryan Sandberg is but like now he's kind of like the butt of the joke for White Sox fans because like he he was such a bad manager I feel and like Mm -hmm. White Sox fans can't remember him just as like a a good player um the only thing I'll say is like I I do I I was I'm barely old enough to remember like the end of like the Don Zimmer days in Chicago. Yeah. And he was definitely beloved and I definitely think that people were tired of I remember being a little kid and being like I'm tired of Zimmer like get rid of him or whatever. <laughs> um uh but but I do think like we all can like look back fondly at Don Zimmer now um even though I think probably if you like would look at articles or listen to sports I don't even think sports radio existed back then but like um, you know, if you could hear people talking at the bar, um, about, uh, about Don Zimmer, they were probably saying pretty, 
pretty hellish things about him. But but I think people like look back in, in fondness with him. So maybe maybe it'll, it'll go more like the Don Zimmer route than uh, than you know the Robin Ventura route for 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 David Ross. But um, you know I think I think I think yeah I don't know. So that that would be my guess is that that's you know I think like I think it could be washed away. Uh, you know, given some time, but like, honestly, I think that, uh, David Ross is being, you know, he's, he's being screwed right now. It's like, and he'll be continue to be screwed once they start dismantling this team, like in earnest, uh, because you know, like next year, I don't, I don't even want to know what the roster next year is going to look like. It's not going to be pretty. I don't think, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know, like it's, it's kind of not all on him. I feel, and I would hope maybe Cubs fans would, could see that. I, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how people are gonna think about the Ricketts, uh, you know, in, <laughs> in, in years to come because they're the ones who are, uh, to blame for, for this, uh, team falling apart. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. So it's a, it's, it's a tough one. Um, but yeah, I feel like there was something else. Against, oh, the team being dead. I mean, like it's it's bad right now um i i don't know maybe it's one of those things where like a brawl will like jump start them but uh yeah it just doesn't really seem like anybody wants to be there right now um yeah. it's, it's well, very strange yeah no i was gonna say like this is something that i've observed i kind of feel like this whole like contract thing like so anthony rizzo was not extended they, the cubs were like hoping to extend like somebody uh before the beginning of the season typically teams players don't want to negotiate their contracts after the season starts Rizzo put a deadline of opening day uh to to renew his contract they they fucking uh you know short short changed him like they they um you know with their offer um even though it's still an ungodly amount of money but still it like comparatively uh it was like a low ball offer so he's he's pissed and he's like I'm done you know negotiating I've made my peace with it I actually feel like he seems to be more frustrated this year and i i can't help but but thinking think that like the failed contract negotiations have, are like kind of weighing on him still and um probably the whole team knowing that they're all kind of like lame ducks um you know and so i i just i that can't be good for morale and i think that that's it's showing with the the play on the field this year that's that's kind of my theory no, absolutely, and we we've talked about how Rizzo is the the face of this the franchise, and yeah. it it's basic, and he, and he's been the heart of the soul, heart and soul of the team since 2015, um, yeah. right when they started to get good. He was the leader of the 2016 team. He's he's a big clubhouse guy. You can just tell that he's he's the leader of that clubhouse. He's the mouthpiece yeah. of the team, and the fact that they didn't extend him, uh, that's just a complete downer to all yeah. the other guys like yes. that's that's the kind of that is that's the message that the ownership is sending to the, yes. the both the team and the fan base is that like at least if they'd extended Rizzo people could people people would be on board with that I don't think there are any Cubs fans who are against extending Rizzo even if he is maybe starting to get to the maybe the downside of his career how old mm -hmm. is he 30 30 31 something like I feel like yeah. he's still got three four good years left um, yes. but th that, Hey, if that's the message they want to send, um, you know, you're not going to make this guy a cub for the rest of his career and he might leave as soon as next year and he might get traded this season. That's a pretty shitty message to send a, you know, your organization and your fan base. So I, I guess yes. I could get why the, uh, you know, why, why they may have lost the, the, the clubhouse. Yes. I, I, I think that's what's happening. And like, no one's talking about it yet because it's maybe still too early, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. And 
And uh, that's why I was so pissed, like, even before the first pitch was thrown this year. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's just uh, it's just ridiculous. And, um, yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, like the, the Cardinals, you know, like let Pujols go and it turned out to be like a good move for the team. For, for me, I, I kind of feel like like being in the, in that situation now, it's like I do I, I do kind of want them to sign Rizzo, even if they're going to be paying for like some of his down years, because I think it's just like you got to have this guy on your team. Like and call him, if that makes me a homer, then like so be it. But like I just think like what he's meant to this team, you think about like the whole legacy of like Epstein and uh, and um, uh, Jed Hoyer uh, keeping like keep going after Rizzo, like drafted him with the Red Sox. Hoyer signed him, like traded for him for the for at the when he was with the Padres and the Cubs. They go all come over to the Cubs and the Cubs get him from the uh, from the Padres. Uh, it's just and now to like have it like kind of falling apart. I mean, I hope that something that comes. I hope something comes through. Uh, I don't know if it's going to, um, but uh, but yeah, it's a sad state of affairs and definitely a downer. Hey, you know, Chris Bryant and Rizzo both seem like they're unhappy with the Cubs. So yeah, great job, great job by the yes. uh, by the Cubs management. One more thing about the series, um, I just wanted to touch on Corbin Burns. I believe yeah. he was my pick for NL Cy Young this year. He's off to an outstanding start. I think he's pitched. Um, 18 innings and only allowed three runs. Let me see if that's accurate. Um, yeah, so he's pitched uh, 18 and a third innings. He's only allowed three runs. His ERA is 0.49. The guy's been lights out. I'm I'm not sure though, Jeremy. So I, I regret. So the odds the uh, when I made that prediction, the odds on him uh, winning the Cy Young were 40 to one. Yep. Um, and uh, you know I didn't put any money down on it. I think I'm gonna live to regret that. Maybe. Um, but uh, but hey, man. I mean, I'm not sure if it's like. The dude is super good, or he just faced like a really uh, dead Cubs team. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a little bit of A and a little bit of B. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, anyone could could start start tasting that Cy Young award after facing the Cubs, I guess. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, I I I, I, Burns does seem to be pretty damn good, um, and uh, yeah, that's one card that I didn't sell, so I'm I'm happy about it as well. Um, But uh, but yeah, so. so we'll see as it goes. Uh, it's not a great feeling to be a Cubs fan right now on April 15th uh, with like five and a half months left of the baseball season. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, so anyway, um, you know, this stuff has been happening with the Cubs and Brewers. Like I, at this point, I might the only thing I have maybe to look forward to is an eventual brawl uh, between these <laughs> two teams. Um, but it got us thinking about you know the unwritten rules and all this stuff about baseball, and it's been so much of a, the talk over the last several years. And I you know I think we've we've touched on it cert- at certain times. Certainly the uh, the Fernando Tatis um, grand slam on three zero. Uh, last year uh, started uh, some some talk about that. Um, so we figured that, you know, we would uh, take a look at the unwritten rules of baseball and just kind of give a, a referendum on, on the unwritten rules of baseball and, and give our thoughts. And, um, you know, because I think um, I think with anything in life, you know, it's not black or white. I think there's uh, some things where you can make exceptions for some things and not for others. And, uh, you know, maybe there's some double standards here sometimes. So like, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, we, we kind of put together a list of ones to, to touch on and, uh, and kind of give our thoughts, Jack. So, um, let's yeah. do it. Well, let, let's, let's start with one of the most obvious ones, which is watching 
home runs, pimping home runs, styling yeah. home runs, whatever you want to call it. Um, just watching a watching one go uh, after you hit it. I think the Contreras one is a, a great example of uh, of all of all, all of those things. Um, you know, not only did he watch the home run, but he also flipped his bat or, um, or threw his bat or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He did we something could, very emphatic with his bat. Um, yeah. And then he styled it all the way around the bases, uh, putting his, his finger to his lips and, and shushing the crowd. Um, yeah, he did it all. He did it all on that one because he was pissed. He was fired up. Um, and, hey, you, you know that the guys are getting thrown at 95 miles an hour and a ball hits him. That, that can be life or death. Um, and, you know, I, I, so I understand. I understand getting fired up. Uh, it, a lot more guys are watching their home runs now um, to, to the point where I, I almost think it's kind of basic at this point, you know, to like watch your home run. It's almost, it's almost more exciting when only a couple of guys do it every once in a while. Cause it makes it, it, everybody gets up and up in arms about it and it makes those guys seem really eccentric and like huge assholes. So, uh-huh. um, I don't know. Yes. I don't, I don't really have a big problem with it. I think it's fun, but I think there needs to be less of it so that when it happens, it's, it's more, it's more exceptional. I mean, you know, Jack, you either have to be really good or really bad. <laughs> <laughs> to get away with it like you know you got a guy like Derek Dietrich pimping his home runs and granted that like that that whole saga between um the Reds and the Pirates a couple years ago when he uh pimped those homers and I think um Chris Archer hit him like before and after or something like you know I mean certainly like if you if you look at the the storyline between behind some of these I think it's it's sometimes connected to um you know something else that's going on like uh, someone got hit or uh, there's been I, like, I, you know, some like the pitcher, <laughs> you know, talked shit about the guy's wife or something. I don't like, you know, there's got there's sometimes there's like some stories behind that, why it happens. But um, but if a guy's a really, really bad, like like Derek Dietrich and he pimps a home run, it's kind of it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, like there's the thing is, is like this is maybe where the double standard comes in. It's like, I think there's been a, a wider like acceptance of this, like in recent years. Um, and I think the biggest, like the, the, like the peak, you know, bat flip moment of course was like that Jose Batista bat flip, uh, in the playoffs a couple years ago. Uh, but like, and people were kind of giving that like, um, a pass because it was such a huge moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, like, they they've kind of said like you know when it's a big moment like that you know it's it's almost like understood and so i think i kind of am in that ballpark where it's like listen this is undeniable like this is just like a huge moment um how could we not uh you know how could we not acknowledge it so that's kind of i kind of feel like that too and like yeah i mean like there are um there are a lot of guys doing it now and it's just it's one of those things where it's like yeah you do you don't want to go to the well too often because it's pretty cool when it when it means something, but like when it when it doesn't. I also think like you know when when you're losing by by nine runs, you probably shouldn't you know, watch your home run. Um, I, I am of that broad. I am of that uh, that that uh, you know camp as well. Um, but but yeah, whether whether the guy should be hit the next time he bats if he watches his homer down nine one, that's another story we'll talk about here in a in in another one of these unwritten rules. But um, but yeah, so. 
I think picking your spots definitely is the way to go with that. Yeah, Jeremy, uh, pimping a home run when you're down nine, that'd be like throwing down a 360-degree a dunk in basketball when you're down 30. You know, you just, it's just <laughs> yeah. not something you do. When you're down 30, you either just, like, dunk it straight up and flush it or, or lay it in. You don't do that. Um, yeah, I, I will say, with the watching the home runs, uh, nothing is better than when a guy watches his home run and it's not a home run. That is sure. like yeah. that is like the just uh, the the just desserts of of that, uh, and that's happened sure. to Contreras too. I remember specifically there was one time where Contreras totally watched one, and like it was just like it ended up being a double, maybe even a single. So that that it does yeah. happen to guys, and like they get their uh, they get their comeuppance a little bit when they watch yeah. it, and it doesn't go. So hey, if you're gonna watch a home run, you better be pretty pretty damn sure it's gone, or you're gonna look silly. Yeah, yeah, and like I think like the. Um the embarrassment of like looking bad is, is the punishment there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so cool. All right. So the next one is, I mean, this kind of goes in the same camp as well, but like the celebrating on the field, like, you know, like I think like this whole thing about like when guys do hit homers and then like half the team kind of comes out of the dugout and like, you know, like, and not like on a walk off, but just like, you know, when, when something big happens and like, yeah, the team kind of spills out onto the field, like, I think also kind of like falls into this like over celebration and like, um, you know, like it's, it's something that never happened. Like, you know, maybe like 10 years ago in baseball. Um, and, and it's kind of become more of a thing. Yeah. Jeremy, I was, I was going to say it, it absolutely is, especially with the guys spilling out on the field, you see it more in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. But yeah. I, I, it, that's to me, that's like, it's so little league, you know, I, I will say, I don't, I don't yeah. like, I don't like that um, because I'm yeah that's like in the little league world series when like a, a kid will hit a home run and like the entire team mobs him at the plate. Um, I, I want to say I don't remember when I was a little when I was a kid growing up in the mid '90s when a guy would when a guy would hit a walk off home run would the yeah. entire team mob him at the plate like they do now? Yeah, that's a good that's a good I've I've thought of that as well. I I mean. <sighs> I, in my mind that that didn't happen. Yeah. And then, but then everyone's, but then like, I'll watch, like, I'll see a, like a, a highlight of from like the sixties or something. And like, they'll, they'll do it. They'll mob someone on the field. Like, so like, I, I don't know, man, it's one, it's like the Mandela effect or something <laughs> like in reverse. Cause I swear to God, it didn't happen either. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think like there was like a highlight, like maybe like Billy Williams hit a, a walk off Homer, uh, against, no, it wasn't a walk off, but he hit a homer against like I don't know, I don't fucking know. There were there was some kind of like old clip that I swear like I saw like um guys mobbing the guy at home plate or whatever. And uh yeah, like maybe Billy Williams hit a walk off on like opening day or something and they they mobbed him or something. So like I don't know, man. I think it maybe did happen and we just I don't know, you just don't like it doesn't burn in as much as like nowadays. I don't know. Maybe because the camera angles weren't because now it seems like, you know, the camera the guy is like holding the camera and he's like you know, in the, the, the mob scene with the guys, maybe that, that maybe makes it like seem like more memorable. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just all the, all the jerseys being ripped off. Um, or right. in Jose Altuve's case, the jerseys not being ripped off. Just, you know, just something about it makes it, like you said, burn in more now. I don't know, yeah. but I will say I'm not a, yeah, not a fan of it unless it's uh, at the end of the game. I guess I'm okay with it. So, well, yeah, I, I do like it, Jack. Uh -huh. I, I think like, I, I, I mean, so this is uh, one of those things where like, I mean, okay, so pimping a home run is one thing. I think celebrating, like, in the general vicinity of your dugout, like, not mobbing home plate, but, like, 
like when guys hit a homer and then like someone like you know comes out and like gives him a high five who's not on deck you know like i don't really mind it that much it's definitely like you see it a lot with latin players and with in like in like like latin games like if you watch like you know if you see highlights of like the dominican world series or something like it's kind of just part of like the game there and uh i i like it i think it adds kind of fun to it um uh you know it would be funny to see someone like uh i don't know like a uh, who's a particularly stiff <laughs> baseball player? Like a, I, I keep th- thinking like Freddie Freeman, but he's he's actually kind of um, he can be kind of loose sometimes. But I don't know. Like it would be kind of funny to see like an an orthodox guy kind of get out there and like do something like that. So I, I'm kind of okay with it. Like uh, if it's like in the general vicinity of the dugout. Like again, I think like players get mad about it. Like it's showing up the other team, but it's like it's got nothing to do with the other team. Like it's got it's just about like being excited that your team you know got a, a big run or something so sure i do i do like uh eccentric dugout celebrations like you know choreographed dugout celebrations after yeah. home runs so i will say that you know th- this sort of falls in the same vein as that i'm not a big fan of the guys spilling out on the field but it is it is fun to it is fun to see a, a good choreographed home run celebration yeah sure sure um next thing we got up um so coming off the heels of the no hitter um you know there's there's a lot of etiquette around a no hitter um for the announcers like not mentioning the no hitter um for players uh like you know like bunting to break up a no hitter is like a big no no um i can't remember of any documented cases where it happened um like to 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 reference but it it has definitely happened before and that's why there's the the, the rule about it i think but uh, i don't know jack what do you th- what do you think about okay, those okay so for first of all for the mentioning a no hitter um, that's always a thing like, uh, so when me and my dad are, are playing Stratomatic baseball and a guy is flirting with a no hitter, we don't mention it. We don't talk about it. Oh, um, nice. uh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, <laughs> it's not talked about it. It is, it is something that's, you know, we are aware of, but it's never mentioned. Um, and so like, I'm trying to think of specific instances where you and I have been to a game and a guy's flirted with a no hitter. I don't remember. I can't think of any, but I can't remember if we mentioned it or not. We probably would because we're just two fans in a stadium, and I feel like that's, like, a little bit different. Um, definitely for the announcers, though, like, hey, I'm cool. I'm cool with them not mentioning it. It's like they're, a little superstition is fun in baseball. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's not talked about in the dugout at all. So I think, like, a little ba- – out, out of all the sports, baseball is the one where the most superstition is involved. So I do, I do like that aspect, that superstition aspect. Like it probably doesn't matter, but, <laughs> right. but I'm still not going to do it. I'm still not going to, like if we're playing a game of Strato and a guy has a no hitter going, <laughs> I'm still not going to, not going to mention it. Um, but the bunting for the no hitter, I think bunting should be in play. I think that's a dumb rule. Like whatever you got to do to break up that no hitter, you should do. You should, a certain, a certain aspect of play, which is otherwise totally legal should not be uh, nullified just because a guy, uh, the opposing team has a no-hitter in a game that you're also supposed to be trying to win. That's why I like that bang-bang play at first uh, last night with Abreu and Naylor, because Naylor was busting his ass down the line. And I know we joked about, like, maybe he didn't uh, touch the base on purpose, but he was busting his ass down the line, man. He wanted wanted to break up that no-hitter. And when the opposing team really wants to break it up, it makes it mean so much more. So, yeah, man, I think, you know, hey, man, if, if they don't want, if the, the defense doesn't want the guy to bunt, then play the infield in. And then, like, and then take that risk. 
But that, that shouldn't that's dumb. That shouldn't be off the table. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I I <laughs> this is you know, Jack, sometimes I feel like we we you know, maybe maybe conflict is good for the podcast. I think I have the opposite <laughs> the Okay. feelings on both of these. Nice. Um number okay, so number 1 um about mentioning the no-hitter um I'll say not mentioning it during a Strato game is definitely a, 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 like a whole different level. Yeah, I to was like... going to say that's next level, dude. It <laughs> happens so rarely. Is. We played we played thousands of games. We only had we only had one. Uh, we had uh, two no hitters actually in the 2007 oh, wow. game. We had Johan Santana threw one um, in the, uh, but we never finished that season. The 2014 game, uh, Danny Duffy threw one for the Kansas City Royals. Oh, um, he wow. had a good card that year. His ERA was like 2.5 something. But uh, yeah, Dan, so Danny Duffy, um, in the only Strato season we ever really officially count, um, he he threw one. But that's how rare it is. Never had a perfect game. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, that you're right though. That's next level. That's next level <laughs> shit right there. Yeah, it is. Well, okay. So there's two things. Also, Danny Duffy off to a good start this year, oddly enough. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so um, there's two ways to look at this. I think like from an announcer standpoint, like I don't care if they mention it, like. I think one of the things like especially in Chicago that's been happening recently is that like Len Casper has been like pretty outspoken about mentioning no hitters and just saying like how it it's like he's not doing his job if he's not telling the story of what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so last night and, and Benetti is the same way for the White Sox. And so obviously last night we got a chance to, to hear that. And the only reason why I knew there was a no hitter because I wasn't watching the game. I was actually I, I, I was like out driving and I had the socks on the radio and, and Casper said like, um, you know, cause they have, sometimes they have like tricks around it where he says like, he's faced the minimum through six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said something, I think he said something like, you know, the line's perfect through six or something. And I'm like, Oh, he's got a perfect game going. So like, that's how I knew. And I might not have even come home and turned the game on, uh, unless I knew that and I would have missed it. So I'm glad that he mentioned the no hitter and spoiler, he mentioned it and it didn't, it didn't, you know, the no hitter still happened. Maybe, maybe he cost him the perfect game, but he didn't, <laughs> he didn't cost him the no hitter. Um, but Benetti mentions it too. And like, you know, it's just like, it's just as an announcer, you're building suspense and you're building drama. And like to not mention it is like to not, to not like, uh, like kind of like highlight the biggest, like emotional draw of the thing that you're watching in front of you. So it's like, it is kind of like kind of weird to not mention it. Um, I do like superstition though, Jack. And I do like the, the idea of super, it's fun. Like when, when it's fun, it's cool. Like when, if it's like, if some guys like, uh, you know, I gotta go like, I don't know, whatever, whatever. Like I gotta like, um, haze, uh, this, this rookie because, um, which is another one we'll get to, but, um, you know, Mm. Uh, because that's just you know how it's done or something, and like we'll have a bad, I'll have a bad year if I don't, whatever. So like I don't know, I don't like that kind of stuff. But when when it's fun superstition, I think it's kind of fun. So in that sense, I I do I I can like appreciate it from that sense. I'll also say from like a fan standpoint, when you like want to see a no hitter, like if you've never seen a no hitter before, and like you know you you're really pulling for it, and it would like mean the world to you, like to say I saw a no hitter. Um, then cool. I get it. Like you're, you're, you're just trying to make it happen. And so like, you know, I get it from an announcer standpoint, like for, for when people get mad at announcers for mentioning it, I think that's absurd. And those people need to get a life. But um, I, This is a rhetorical know. question, but I do wonder, cause you mentioned Casper said that I wonder what Vince Scully's thoughts were on it. Um, obviously just a rhetorical yeah. question. We don't have to answer it now, but I would be interested to know like what, what he th- 
would say when, when he was calling a no-hitter. I'm sure he's been asked about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost want to say that he was also in the belief of mentioning it. But yeah, the, the big one is like Hawk Harrelson. Like, I remember like... <laughs> I remember watching the the Wilson Contreras or Wilson Contreras, the Wilson Alvarez uh, no hitter in like 1991 or whatever, and we were out. I was out with my friend. We came home. We turned the TV on, and we there was we didn't hear anything. There was no announcing happened. We thought that like something was wrong with the broadcast. We didn't know like what was going. Like there was no play by play whatsoever. And uh, you know, Pachork was probably his like his his color guy at that point, and he probably like you know moved his scorecard to show like a, a, a knife or something. And, and like, just to be like, if you say one word, wimpy, I'm going to cut your throat or something, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, it's like, but like, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, boss, whatever. Um, so, uh, it's like, that's fucking stupid. And it's like, I think like we didn't know, we really didn't know what was going on. And then like, uh, I don't know, like he, that might've been like the last inning. And then he, they're like, no hitter. And then we're like, Oh, that's what happened. You know? So whatever, it's it's just silly. Um, uh, the whole bunting thing during a no hitter. I'll say this: um, as a player, like yes, you're supposed to still be competing no matter what, no matter what the story is. But I'll say that from a fan standpoint, if you were, if I was at a game, even if I was an Indians fan, so okay, so I was at a no hitter. Um, I saw you know Cole Hamill's no hit the Cubs, and I I. You know, and I'm grateful for for seeing that. Even though it happened against the Cubs, at some point I was rooting for the no hitter because I want to see history. And it's like it's just one Cubs loss. Um, the Cubs ended up being fine that year in 2015. Um, if I was at the game and I was an Indians fan, and Josh Naylor bunted and and beat out and ended the no hitter, I would be pissed off at him because he just cost me a chance to see a fucking no hitter. And like so, so no one, I don't think anyone wants to see Josh Naylor break up the no hitter because they would rather see a no hitter than Josh Naylor get a meaningless hit in the ninth inning. And I appreciate that he was trying as a, as a competitor, like he probably should be. Um, but like, I don't even think his teammates want like, <laughs> like want him to like break up the no hitter because it's cooler to see a no hitter. I guess it's, it's embarrassing maybe to be the team that gets no hit, but like, I don't know. It's like from a, like a bigger picture sort of thing. It's like, I would say like, Maybe maybe the exception would be the actual players on the team who don't want to see the no hitter. Um, I have a friend who um, is a Mets fan, and he was talking about he was at like the Max Scherzer no hitter. Uh, I think he I think did Max Scherzer no hit the the Mets. I think, um, and he was at it, and he was like, "Oh man, that was the worst game I've ever been to. Like that was horrible." And it's like it's, it's because he was so like mad that the Mets got no hit. But it's like you saw no hitter, dude. Like who cares if the Mets lost? So. I don't know, man. It's 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 a weird thing, like, but like, I would definitely rather see a no hitter than some bum scratch out like a, a single in the ninth inning. You know. I, I remember you you mentioned Jeremy after that uh, that Phillies game, that Phillies Cubs game where Hamels threw the no hitter. There was a, a just a completely dejected Cubs fan who was yes. like, "Oh man, we we didn't get any hits. We didn't get any hits." Yeah. Um, yeah. That's hilarious, yeah. man. Like, like, does this guy not realize that he just saw a once in a lifetime thing? <laughs> yeah. No. I honestly, Jack, that guy. So, so me and my dad went to that game. Um, we were uh, parked in our normal spot, which is is a bit a ways away from the park, but it's free and um, you can you can park there. So we were walking back to the car, and it, Jack, this guy wasn't even at the game. He was just wandering the streets of Wrigleyville, 
and he was <laughs> beside himself and he was like he he we he because he was walking towards the park and we were walking away from the park to the car and he's like oh so what, what he, he got the no hitter right and we're like yep yeah, yep yeah, no hitter man no hitter and he's like oh man just Oh, no hits, man. And he just kind of like just wandered <laughs> off and like he may have stepped in front of a bus. I don't know. But <laughs> after that, but, um, but yeah, I mean like, so that's the thing there is like, I, you know, I get like, you know, you don't want to be no hit. It's embarrassing, whatever you're competing, but it's like if some fucking guy threw down a bunt and I was at the game and, and it cost me a chance of seeing a no hitter or not, I would fucking I would go after the guy. I would burn his jersey, uh, Chris Chelio style, you know. <laughs> well, hey, I, yeah, I, I still don't like Jose Tabata for breaking up that perfect game. So I, I totally. hear you on that one, Jeremy. Totally. This yeah. next one is good. Um, yeah. It's probably going to be an agreement. Pretty cut one, and dry, yeah. but so yeah. step stepping on mound. So uh, yeah. so basically, when an opposing player makes an out, pop out, ground out, or whatever, he's not supposed to run back to his dugout uh, by way of crossing the pitcher's mound. Um, uh, which which is dumb, Jeremy, because the the shortest dis- shortest way and shortest distance between two points is just a straight line, yeah. right? So sometimes it's just a straight line for the guy to walk uh, uh, across the mound. Uh, and last year we saw in a game Freddie Galvis, who I think was at the Reds at the time, walked across Miles Michaelis's mound. And yeah, uh, yeah. oh, did he ever? Um, did Michael? Did Michaelis ever have an opinion about that one? Yes. It's, so I um, think it's the- it's dumb, Jeremy. It's dumb. Yes. Uh, it's, it's absurd. Like, and like, um, okay. So to try to like, try to give some, um, <clears throat> like context to it, it's like, I guess the pitchers like, you know, groom the mound and, you know, they have their like landing spots and everything. And so if that gets thrown off, then their, their mechanics might get thrown off or whatever. But, but let's be honest, it's a fucking, like, I feel like it's like a male, like territory pride thing. And it's just like, fucking get get lost with that bullshit like fuck you miles michael it's like you shouldn't you should be lucky that they let you on the mound like in a major league stadium like fuck off like who gives a shit like and and like like freddie galvis like was like trying to do anything like about it. like he was like he was trying to like you know get in his head or something uh that was just such bullshit it happened with dallas Braden uh several years ago as well i, I almost want to say it was a rod who stepped on the mound mm-hmm. um uh, I can't remember, but it's just like, it's just like just a bunch of bullshit. Like, um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was a rod. Um, and a rod was involved in another thing, which we'll be talking about soon too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, fuck off. Like the other pitcher goes on the mound after you go on the mound. Like, so there's two pitchers on that mound. Um, you know, there's the, the fucking, uh, goofy ceremonial first pitch. And a lot of times the people when up there like are trying to like act funny and they like dig into the dirt like they're fucking up the mound like so it's just get get the fuck get lost man like just 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 pitch you know just pitch if you if you're so fragile that someone stepping on your mound is going to mess you up then maybe you shouldn't be in the major leagues (laughs) there you go yeah, it's just it's like uh, yeah, when someone draws a line in the sand and tells you not to cross it, you know, it's it, it's it's dumb. But yeah, you you realize it's not something you really realize until it happens. But uh, yeah, no position players ever ever go on that pitch, pitcher's mound for the opposing team when like the uh, you know when when an out is made. It's just it's something you don't I hadn't really ever considered. But yeah, definitely uh, definitely stupid. Also, Jeremy, uh, apparently A Rod officially split up with J Lo today. I saw that on my uh, my Facebook feed. They're better friends, Jack. They're better as friends. <laughs> that's what that's what they that was the quote in the press release or something, I think. But um, oh yeah. Oh my um, god. Okay. Yeah. 
I don't know what to say about that one. Uh, You know, A-Rod, look, Google A-Rod sitting on a toilet. (laughs) All right, so uh, the next one, I I wasn't aware of this story, Jeremy, but you put dugout spy cameras. So (laughs) So you said C. Strasberg story. I I didn't hear hear about this one. Yeah, there was a story. No one's really talked about this. Again, I haven't watched MLB Network uh, this week, really. Um, but apparently, so like Strasburg gave up like seven earned runs in the game the other day. And uh-huh. I don't know if it was like the most earned runs he's given up in a, in a performance, but, um, he got rocked the other day. Uh, I think the, the Nats lost like 14 to one or something. It was like, it was a really lopsided game. And apparently, um, so were they playing the Cardinals? Uh, yeah, I believe it was the Cardinals. Um, apparently they got footage of Strasburg. Um, in the tunnel, uh, like rubbing like his arm or rubbing his like his shoulder or something like that, and the Cardinals broadcast started speculating that he might be injured or whatever. And I guess there was a story like Strasburg said like, "Hey, you know, uh, that's supposed to be a private moment. Like, you know, like there's got to be mo- there's got to be places in the stadium where where you know we can have some privacy uh, because you know that shouldn't." you know, that shouldn't have been captured on camera. And Dave Martinez also was pissed about it. Um, and so, you know, this is not necessarily an unwritten rule, but like, you know, I think like, um, it just makes me think of like the Astros thing and like, um, you know, just being able to see like, just like, obviously this is, it's a whole different territory, but like, I don't know, like, I guess maybe invasiveness of like the broadcast in a, in a, in a game, um, you know, is it good or bad? I guess like I obviously think there's different degrees to it for sure. Yeah. Um, so what I did not see the, the clip you were referring to Jeremy, although I will say sometimes like, you know, maybe you see this more in like a basketball game or a football game. You'll see, they have like a camera in inside, like the, uh, the, the gateway or the rampway that's leading into the, where the locker rooms are. And like, they'll show the guy like walking back to the locker room or being carted back there. Um, you know, I guess maybe that's okay. I don't think it would be okay to have a camera in the trainer's room. Um, so I, uh, I, I would agree with Strasburg that, you know, maybe if he was having a private moment that it was a little bit much to show that on camera was, was he standing in a place where like the camera could have just clearly seen him or was it, was it a camera that was like specifically put in like an alley, uh, uh, you know, hallway in the tunnel. He was, he was down the tunnel. Okay. Full disclosure, Jack. I didn't see it. I just I just read the article. Yeah. But he he went up up the tunnel, and so they must have had a camera that was like at like down like the you know the first baseline at such an angle where they could like go and see down the tunnel, and they mm-hmm. saw him, and so like he thought he was out of you know range, and they actually did catch it, and they put it on TV, and Dave Martinez was like that shot should have never been on TV, as if talking like he was like a director like of you know of of a baseball broadcast um which is kind of funny but like yeah i mean like i don't think it's necessary i like it was weird i remember like watching the um the ncaa final game this year and um uh timmy from uh from uh, gonzaga was like i don't know if this is a thing like i think like because of uh i don't know if because of covid or whatever but like instead of like going like on the side to get like worked on, like maybe out of the sight of the public because the, the benches were spaced out. Like he was being like, he was being like massaged on the bench and like 
they showed it on camera and this guy was like really massaging Timmy's like left, left ass cheek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very, it was, it was an odd look. Um, and uh, it was bad for everyone involved. I think the guy doing it, the guy having it done to him, <laughs> the people watching it. Um, so it's like, yeah, I don't think that that adds to the, the broadcast. So it was kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing. And like, I, I don't know, like um, uh, as a, as a, journalist as a video journalist or whatever like I guess getting a shot is like you know your objective but like you know um, I'm sure you could zoom in on like you know a, an, a catcher's like mouth like you know or, an, or a manager's mouth like you know and like get a, a lip reader and say like you know what he's saying but it's like it might not be necessary so yeah so anyway that was a, that was a weird one um, but uh, yeah I don't think it's I, I think like Maybe there should be limitations with the with the the, the coverage on a on a broadcast. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, Jeremy. Usually, when you put a camera in the tunnel of a baseball stadium, all you're going to see is Pablo Sandoval like trying to privately check his Instagram back there. You know, so most of right. the time is probably probably nothing. But yeah, I, I agree. There should absolutely be limitations. So we are in agreement on on that one. Now, um, the, the, the these next two uh, are, are pretty similar, so we can just we can yeah. just group them together. But um, there is also going back to bunting. There is an unwritten rule in baseball that says you shouldn't bunt if you're up by a bunch of runs. Let's just say six. So no bunting when you're up six or more runs, and no stealing, no stealing bases when you're up six or more runs. So both of those things are frowned upon. Um, you know, just because uh, you don't want to rub it in the other team's face. You're not supposed to uh, try to run up the score too much. Um, you know, that show that would be showing a team up if you did that. So you're just uh, you're not supposed to do it. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of dumb, Jeremy, uh, because, yeah. hey, it, never in the history of baseball has a team had a come from behind victory before. So, you know, once you get ahead <laughs> by a certain amount of runs, you should just stop trying. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, you know, there was an article I was in my research. Like, you know, there was like that, like big, like um the Indians came back from a 12 run deficit over the Mariners some years ago mm-hmm. uh, after like the seventh inning. And um, you know, that's why you still keep playing the game. So yeah, Jack, I, I mean, so this is maybe if you want to call this a double standard, um, this is where I, where I draw the line. It's like no hitter sacred, like, you know, try to maintain it for, for this, for the sanctity of, uh, of the, of the event. In a game, in just a regular game, and so this goes back, this kind of goes back to the whole Tatis thing where it's like don't swing on 3-0 when you're up by seven runs or whatever they were mm-hmm. up by. Um, who gives a shit? Fucking, if you, don't want, if you don't want the team to still be playing, don't let them get six runs ahead of you. Um, so, like, bunting in this situation, I think it's totally fine. Like, I don't think it's necessary, but it's like I'm not going to, like, you know, like throw at a guy's fucking head for bunting when they're, when I'm down, down by six, I would be more mad that I let them get up by six runs. Uh, same thing for stealing. Um, you know, I, I just, where do you draw the line to when the team should stop competing? Like, and like, when, when is it like, you know, when can they not come back from like, what, what, what deficit is it, you know, where it's like, yeah, they're not going to come back. So, um, I, yeah, I don't like either of those either. Um, I think it's bullshit. And I, I, that's a situation where I'm like, yeah, stop the, you know, just don't let them get up by six then if, if you don't want them to, to, to bunt or whatever. So. Right, exactly. And, hey, that's like the – that's you, yeah, that's an argument you could use for pimping home runs too. Like you don't want the guy to – you don't want the guy to pimp his home run. Don't give up the home run to begin with. 
Um, sure. I love it. Uh, so cool. We are in agreement on that one as well. Now, there, this is kind of a weird one, Jeremy. I had never really thought of it before, but it is totally an unwritten rule that uh, when a player gets his first major league hit, that the uh, that that baseball that he got the uh, that that was uh, that baseball is, is supposed to be collected for him as a souvenir. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, the opposing team has a part in that too. Uh, they'll usually toss it in the uh, the dugout for the uh, of the guy's team that got the hit. It, it just happened with your mean Mercedes. That's probably why I thought of this one. But mm-hmm. it's a very strange unwritten rule. I mean, I guess I like it because hey, it's a big deal um, for the for a guy to get his first major league hit. All of the players in the game have been there and they know what a special moment it is. But at the same time, like if I was the pitcher who gave up that hit, I'd be like. Fuck that! Like I don't want to, you know. I gave up a hit. I gave up a hit to this slapdick rookie. Like his first hit. Like I'm a special moment. Like I want to take that ball and like throw it in McCovey Cove, you know. Then let him go. Let him go get it. Then, you know. I, so I would be pissed. So as a fan, I guess I'm okay with it. But like as an opposing pitcher who gave up the hit, I think I would be kind of pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah, just for the sake of 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 like tarnishing that guy's keepsake just to just 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 destroy the ball um i mean hey okay so i mean if for being nothing else but like a super villain um <laughs> if you want to do that like uh, you know I, I i i uh i understand uh where you're coming from um but uh but yeah i mean i have no problem with it uh, i think like um you know it's i think it's like where do you draw the line sometimes too because i think like um i think for pitchers there's a lot there there's like you know first strikeout first pitch thrown like i know they they keep the first pitch of the season like they throw they take it out of circulation um you know maybe there's a there's an overdoing of it but like i'm a i'm a sentimental guy and i'm a i'm a collector so like i would i would have like you know i would have my first everything and then i think then guys would start like you know getting on me about it like um, but, uh, I'll say this, how about this for an unwritten rule? How about like the fake out? Like when they like, when they take, they get the ball and then they throw a fake one into the crowd. It's like, all right, guys, we've seen it. It's been done too many times to, to still work every once in a while. I guess maybe like once out of every like 20 times I've seen it, maybe I've chuckled a little bit, but it's like, maybe we can end that one. The, the fake out. It's like, Hey, give them the fucking ball. It's a big deal. Like we've all been there. We've all like had our first hit, like, you know, like maybe that one is needs to be hung up. You mean like the Joey Votto fake out where he pretends to throw the ball in the? Uh, the he, well, Joey Votto made that one famous. Well, here's my double standard. Joey Votto has a free pass to do whatever he wants. He's such <laughs> a fucking nutball. Like he, I mean, he threw the ball on the roof at Wrigley Field. It's like that. That is like so crazy that it's like, hey man, I just want to see what this guy does. You know, I can't wait to see what he does next. So um, so yeah, I, he gets a he gets an all time pass for me. Um. But uh, but yeah yeah he's a, he's an exception. All right, I like it. Um, uh, so Jeremy, the next one is kind of a hazing thing. So yeah. if if you ever watch uh, the the players in the bullpen head out to the bullpen, all of the relievers before a game, you'll notice that one of them is wearing a backpack. It's usually a rookie, so the rookie usually has to wear a backpack. Usually it's like a little girl's backpack with like yes. a pink like a pink backpack, um, uh, and like he he wears it. Uh, it's got all the candy and gum and sunflower seeds, seeds that they're bringing yeah. out to the bullpen. So this rookie has to carry that backpack uh, out there. That's his. Uh, that's his job. Jeremy, I think that's kind of stupid. What I think, I think it should be the guy with the worst ERA has to <laughs> has to carry that backpack. You know, put just put a target yeah. on the guy's back. 
Yeah, I mean that's kind of a yeah merit based uh, system, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, I yeah, I mean uh, I don't know. Like it's it's like you know I don't know, man. It's just it's just one of those things. Like we've talked about it, where it's like there's such a nuance to to humor and having something be like funny and clever or being like dumb and in poor taste and and i hate to say it but like a lot of times these baseball players are not getting the subtleties of of what's funny and what's not and you know it's like i think maybe messing with a rookie in good fun like in a really well like kind of like put way i think can be kind of okay like if you end up feeling like if it ends up making the guy feel more accepted to be kind of like messed with a little bit, I can kind of, I can kind of think, I can kind of see how it's all in good fun. Um, the fact that they make it like, you know, like a pink Dora, the Explorer, you know, backpack. It's like when they make that part of the joke, like, it's like, Oh, look, he's a man, but he's wearing a pink backpack. It's like, not funny. Not, not, not not really funny in 2021, you know? No. Yeah. And it's like, just because like it's like like if he was wearing like a, a a backpack with like screech you know god rest his soul um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. you know on the backpack like th- you know that's funny like that's as fun that's that's funny it doesn't have to be a pink backpack if he was wearing like you know whatever like like i think even if it's just a general kid's backpack there's maybe some humor to that but the fact like it's like it's got to be like a girl's backpack it's like oh man he's a girl like you know <laughs> i can't believe that they let a girl be on the baseball team like he must be a girl because he has a pink backpack it's like all right guys that part you 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 you've, you've you've drifted out of the zone of funny to like like boneheaded jock dumb and it's like and and maybe you know maybe they are boneheaded jocks if that's the case they shouldn't be they shouldn't have the 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 freedom to make jokes because it's not going to go well so yeah i i don't know man i mean like i think like I'm trying to think of like a good one where I actually thought like, Oh, this is kind of funny, but like, you know, they have ones where like, like the, the, the visiting teams at, at the Cubs, when um, the Starbucks was like right across the street from Wrigley, they would make them dress up, like wear like a dress and go over and pick up coffees for all the bullpen guys. It's yep. like, it's like, does he, can he just go in his uniform? Does he have to wear a fucking dress? Like, is that part of like going there as a baseball player in a uniform is, is the, is the joke. The dress is overkill and, and you've gone too offensive now. Um, you know, whatever. So I don't know, man. It's just like, uh, you know, I, whatever. We talk about being baseball police. Like, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, like, I'll, I'm the comedy police. I think I have a better grasp on, on comedy than uh, than the average baseball player. So, well, I'll say this, Jeremy. Yeah, the a Pink Dora, the Explorer um, backpack or, like, the wearing the dress at the Starbucks, that makes – Jock Peterson, um, you know, beeping at an unsuspecting David Ross in a parking lot looked like Oscar Wilde, you know, like that makes that look like like highbrow comedy. Uh, those yes. those those other things. So yeah, yeah. I mean, un- unfortunately, um, you know, as much as we love baseball, like more more guys than you think uh, in the game, you know, think that kind of stuff is funny. But uh, it just it just is what it is. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm against it, Jeremy. I, I think hazing is is stupid, um, and so yeah. I'm 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 against it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's other ways to make your your teammate feel a part of the team, you know, by maybe just you know congratulating him when he does well. I don't know. What a far fetched <laughs> what a far fetched uh, concept. But um, all right, Jack. 
Beanball Wars. All right, let's let's do it. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we we just saw uh, uh Ryan Tapera throw at at Brandon Woodruff. Um. Yeah. I'll say this: it was clear that they were throwing at him. Ryan Tapera mm-hmm. did it the right way because he threw it mm-hmm. down and behind Woodruff, so mm-hmm. it wasn't going to injure Wood- Woodruff. It was just going to hit him in the calf if it hit him at all. So that that's yeah. that's how you throw at a guy if you're going to throw at him. But that that was clear. It was clear he was throwing at him. Um, and like just just the fact that he was clearly trying to not injure him made it more clear that he was in fact throwing at him. Uh, yeah. I think it's uh, man. I'll say this: it's part it's of the one. it's part of the game. Um, and I, I think that uh, you know we're baseball fans, Jeremy. I mean, I was more excited to watch that game because I mm-hmm. knew something like that was maybe going to go down. You know, it's yeah. like it's like watching. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like watching hockey for the fights. It's like watching racing because you know there might be a crash. Like if you if you turn on a baseball game knowing that there could be a potential beanball war, or if you go to a if you go to a game knowing you might see that, knowing you might see a benches clearing brawl because of a, a beanball war, it's kind of fun. So I, I'm I'm all for doing it the way uh, Tapera did it and like doing it safely and throwing behind a guy. Um, I mean, and, and these guys are, they're, they're world, they're the best in the world. I mean, they, they can control, if they're going to do that, if they're going to throw down and behind a guy, it's, it, you know, the, they're going to put it there. It's when, once sure. you start getting guys like in the upper body and the, uh, you know, the helmet and stuff, that's, yeah. that's not good because that could really, that could really hurt him and end a career, or put a guy on a disabled list, put him in a lot of pain. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm against that, but you know, if, if you're going to do it the way Tapera did it. Hey, I, I keep it keep it in there. I'm I'm for it. Yeah, and I even think like, you know, announcers sometimes say like, "There's a way to to throw at somebody," you know. Like, yep. So I mean, listen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's this is where you know I'm 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 all for these double standards or like this like maybe double standard is not the right word, but like, you know, it's it's these like gray areas. Um. I, I'm against the uh, Neanderthal behavior of, of making someone wear a dress because it's funny, like to see a man in a dress. I can also maybe be kind of into like hit by pitches sometimes, sometimes. So I agree, Jack. Like, I think like, and maybe it's just this, like you know, this poor judgment, like kind of getting out of hand where it's like, I'm going to hit, I'm going to throw at this guy. And then he like fucking hits him in the fucking head. And like, he like, you know, is out for like the year or something or, or like something worse could happen. Like, it's like you went, you, you did it wrong, man. Like, you know, I think like throwing at a guy in the lower body and maybe hitting him in his ass or something like, or the thigh is like, it's going to send a message, but it's not going to like injure the guy. I think even throwing up like in the ribs or something, it's like, I'm going to get him right in the ribs. It's like, yeah, you could break his ribs and, and put him on the DL. And like, that's not really great. It's like, you don't want to see like your stars get injured. Like that's one of the things I hate about football is like the best, like running back could, could, could get hand, get a handoff on the first play from scrimmage in the season and break his leg and be out for the whole year. And it's like, all right, cool. Real exciting. Like best player in the league is out for the year now. Awesome. It's like when that fucking bum Jose Urena threw at uh, Ronald Acuna, his rookie year for hitting like homers in seven straight games. It's like you are, are a bum and Acuna is like the, the hottest guy in the league and is also going to like help the popularity of the league. You don't need this fucking bum putting him on the DL. And so like, I also am against that sort of thing too, where it's like, and the thing is like, they always, the, the, the thought process is to throw at 
the the team's best guy when you're trying to retaliate. And it's like, ugh, like really, do we have to take out the best guy in the league, the the guy yeah. who like is bringing everyone like to the game and turning the TV on, like, uh, because you you have a fucking because you know like fucking Jed Lowry got hit like in the in the foot. It's like, <laughs> you know, like so. Um, I think like I also feel like I've been a fan of the Cubs and like thinking like, hey, they've hit our guys too many times. Like something has to be done here, you know. Yeah. And like, you know, so I, I, I do believe in that. I, I don't believe in headhunting. And I, I think it's, you know, I don't like the Neanderthal version of like, I'm going to kill this guy. And granted, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said I had the, I, a couple episodes ago, I, I had a note uh, about hitting Eric Milton in the head from because on my video game, um, you know, maybe there's an outlet to, uh, to <laughs> video game violence, you know, um, see, you know, Grand Theft Auto or whatever. But um, right. You know, I, I don't know. I think I think this is a complicated one because I think that sometimes like sending a message uh, with a pitch uh, to say like, hey, stop hitting our guys. I sometimes I'm, I'm kind of I kind of am understanding of that when when a bum like Urena hits Acuna because he's too good, then it's like Acuna, like Urena, why don't you stand there with a bat and let the fastest guy throwing on the Braves just broadside you with a fucking fastball and see how, if you still believe that that's, that was the right move, you know? Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I 100% agree, Jeremy. Um, and it, yeah. it is, you know, good sometimes when a pitcher will get his, uh, get his comeuppance. I think I, I said the word comeuppance before when it was with the home run <laughs> thing, yeah. but, uh, but, but Hey, like Al Cohen's, uh, so, you know, Ed Farmer back in the late seventies, he hit Al Cohen's with a pitch right in the face. Um, and it fucked Cohen's up too. Um, you know, like he was real pissed about it. And I, I remember reading something about that, you know, Cohen's was telling everybody that he would like, he was going to get farmer back. Um, yeah. and then he hit a ground, you know, they'd faced each other the next season or later in that season. And, um, you know, Cohen's hit a, a ground ball to the shortstop and instead of running to first, he ran just right up to farmer and, you know, and it's drilled him. Yeah. Yeah. This, um, we talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks or like not a couple weeks ago, but at some point, right? Yeah. But I didn't have the details there. So did you find like a whole story about it? Yeah, yeah. It was in a it was in a baseball book that I that I read. Um uh it was called I think it was called The Wax Pack. It was just about um this guy Oh, who tried, Yeah. You read that book? Yeah, have you oh, have you heard of it? Do you own it? I've been wanting to I wanted to get that book. Uh yeah, I think it might be at my folks' house. So I'll yeah, I'll see if they can they can uh, if I can if I can find it there. Uh, I could probably loan it to you. Hey, th- th- yeah, little little improvisational thing here. So yeah, I read it. It was <laughs> it was uh, it was decent, but I think there's a chapter because one of the players is is Cohen's, um, okay. and so I think they talk about that. And I, I, you know, not to give any spoilers, but he finds a member of his family, and and they talk about how how fucked up Cohen's was because of that. Um, yeah. And- no. Well, Jack, uh, Ed Farmer used to go on the Steve Dahl show here in Chicago, a uh, famous. Um, Disc jockey, the guy who was behind Disco Demolition, um, Ed Farmer used to go on that show, and he told that story on um, on the show, and it was like one of the best baseball stories I ever heard. And to hear Ed Farmer tell that story was hilarious. He's like, "Yeah, you know, he, he I, I throw the ball at him, he grounds out to to shortstop. I turn around, watch the ball, uh, you know, get fielded. I turn around, and uh, Cowan, Cowan's is isn't running at first. He's coming at me." He took a left turn. He's like, he, he went halfway up the line and took a left turn. And uh, it's one of the funniest, like most wild baseball stories um, you'll ever hear. Uh, so, well, Jack, that kind of like, um, that kind of like leads into one of these things, which is like, cause I think the impetus for that was that, um, uh, 
um, looking, uh, I think Cowens was like looking at the, um, the, the, the signs from the catcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That, that, that's why it happened. There like, was a so, reason it happened. And I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what happened was, uh, Ed Farmer like called like a, for a pitch, like low and outside and Cowens like saw it and then he threw high and inside and that's mm-hmm. how he hit him in the face. Um, so, I mean, talk about hardcore retaliation, but, um, yeah, like, so stealing signs, um, you know, from second base or home base, that's, that's one of the items we were going to talk about. And like a guy did that and that's what ended up happening. He got hit in the face. Yeah. And so, yeah, good segue into the next one. Um, it's, it's part of the game, Jeremy. So I, I don't agree with, I don't agree with stealing signs electronically like the Astros were doing or the Red Sox were doing. Um, that's, Mm -hmm. that's bullshit. And I don't agree with that, but I mean, if you're a hitter, and you want to take the risk of trying to steal the catcher's signs, um, that's probably the retaliation that you're going to get, or that that's the that's the yeah. uh, that's the punishment you're going to get for that. You are going to get thrown at, especially like, you know, if if it was the '60s and you're facing Bob Gibson, you know, you wouldn't yeah. even you wouldn't even look at the catcher if you were facing Bob Gibson. But yeah, that that's if you're willing to take that risk, hey, by all means. Um, also, if you get on second base too. Like that's uh, that that's a that's something the pitcher has to deal with then you know um, right part of the a game couple, as well yeah a couple of years ago like in spring training um, Jason Hayward was like 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 Madness and Bumgarner went at Jason Hayward for like supposedly stealing signs and it's like it's like how about you just like change up the signs you know it's like like it's, it's like as a pitcher you know if if something happens where like it affects like what you're doing like adjust, you know, like don't like, you know, go at the guy for stealing the signs. It's like, so I think that, that, that part, yeah, I also agree. Like it's a competitive uh, advantage. I think if you're actually like using some sort of like skills and technique to like, um, you know, figure out tendencies or something, like if a guy's tipping his pitches or something and you notice something and you, you relay that, um, you know, that's, that's gamesmanship and, and it's then up to the, the team to, to correct for that um stealing signs from second base is, is part of it um i don't think it's i don't think it's underhanded um i mean i don't ever really see i feel like the the actual batter looking at the the catcher i don't think that that i i don't i've never seen that actually happen in my life and or like any accusations of it so i don't really think that really happens i actually, I, I will uh I, I will say i think they said a rod would steal signs but oh, okay. um <laughs> there you go that hey you know as if he didn't have enough help with all the other well, cheating he had yeah well, well a rod's coming up in this next item actually so <laughs> um uh finally um but uh yeah a rod is just what a what a numbskull but um but uh uh yeah like i just uh i don't know i i don't uh i don't know about the 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 catching thing like it yeah it's 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 rare than uh if, if it ever happens um but uh but yeah so okay so the next one on the list is distracting the opposite field um and these are things that okay so like with with the catching thing looking at the the signs it's one of those things where i'm like i'm surprised it doesn't happen more often because it's so easy just to look down you know um but it doesn't happen i don't right. think like that much so this is a, another thing this is definitely like a, a my a, a, a like a little league sort of thing but this happened a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember this, Jack, but when A-Rod was on the bases and he it was a pop infield pop fly and A-Rod was like going from second to third and he was running behind the third baseman who was like going to, he was like, you know, had his glove in the air to catch the pop up. A-Rod like made a sound and it like spooked. It made the guy think that the other guy was calling, the shortstop was calling him off and he let the ball drop. 
Um, That's fucking then, Bush League, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then the shortstop like went after A-Rod and, um, you know, was like yelling at him. And then A-Rod said like, I just said like, ah, or something like, yeah. like hey, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, but like, yeah, so they were, they were pissed at A-Rod for doing that. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Bush league. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny and it's like, but it's like, it's pathetic for like a guy like A-Rod to do that. He's supposed to be like the best player in baseball. It's like, you really have to be doing that to like get an advantage. And you would, you would think too, that, that he, as an infielder, he would have a little respect for his counterparts there. Um, but apparently not. Uh, it, it is yeah. ridiculous, Jeremy, that A-Rod would stoop to those levels um, yes. to, to do that. And it's, it's funny, too, just to think of him as the ultimate heel who would, who would do this type of thing. Um, I don't really think I, uh, I have, like, a problem with doing it per se. Because, again, it's gamesmanship. Like, I guess technically it's not, it's not illegal to do it, uh, nor should it be, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things in sports where it's like, yeah, act like you've been there before. You know, once you get to a certain level, you said sure. it's like a little league thing, right? Once you get to a yeah. certain level, maybe there's just certain things you shouldn't do. Like you don't see like at the free throw line when the uh, you know the players are lined up to like uh, get the rebound, like when a guy's taking a free throw. You don't see the defensive players like screaming in the guy's face. They could be right. a- they could be able to probably, right. but right. you don't you don't see it just because. Uh, just because, like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's childish. It, it, it's it's just a bad look. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, if, if, like, a guy popped up and then, you know, he just he, he was just screaming in, like, the catcher's face, like, don't catch it, miss it, you know? Like, uh, you just, you look like a fool, you know? Yeah. I it's, 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 a, it's a weird one. I think it's, like, it's kind of funny in a way. Like, if someone did that, it would be funny. It wouldn't be funny if it would happen to your team or – or, or you were the fielder where it happened to, it would be kind of like outrageous if someone did that, but it's, it's weird that no one does it. And so like, I, maybe it's like, but the thing is like, if someone did it and then it worked and it was, it was like allowed, like written or unwritten, then like everyone would be doing it and it would be a fucking like cacophony. Like, so it would be chaotic. <laughs> so I guess it's better that they don't do it, but you're, it's surprising that like, like a guy like pops up, like, you know, some, some goofy guy, like, like he pops up and he's like, I got it. Like as he's running a first and it's like, you know, makes the guy miss it. It's like, it would be funny, but yeah, I guess, I guess like if you think about down the road, if it's like, if that became the norm in baseball, it would be absurd. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things best left, uh, un, undiscovered, I guess, or un, right. untouched. Right. Yeah. Um, so the next one, Jeremy is the pitcher, uh, showing up your fielders. Yeah. Um, you know, so pitcher, uh, or like pitchers pitching outfielder drops a fly ball and, you know, the pitcher were to, you know, say like, what the fuck is wrong with you or that's something? Good, you idiot. Yeah. That's a good you point. Know? So when, yeah, you know, I, I've always felt Jeremy that pitchers keep it together pretty well on the mound generally. Yeah. Um, yeah. even when, even when an umpire calls a, a questionable ball on something that should have been a strike. Yeah, unless uh, you're you know, John Lackey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, except for Lackey and except for Lester, who were like, who, yeah. Le- Lester, like, you know, him and Joe, like, he, he gave the Joe West stare to, like, an, um, an umpire he didn't, whose call he didn't agree with. But for the most part, these guys will get jobbed on calls, and they just, they really won't react very much at all. Yeah, um, it's true. And, and also for the errors, too. And, I mean, you, you think that's a, it's emotional to be up there as a pitcher. Um, you know, they got, they're, they're the center of attention. 
it's the hardest thing to do, um, you know, besides hitting the baseball is, is pitching it. So it's like they're throwing 90, 100 pitches, whatever. All the focus is on them. And yet they don't show up their fielders when they make an error that should have been an out. And now they have to throw more pitches. I think that's that's admirable. Um, yeah. And they, they shouldn't – I don't think they should show up their their field their fielders because yeah. that would be a shitty thing to do. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. You could – It's well, yeah, it's like you could understand the uh, – compulsion to do it but but it is remarkable like how guys do manage to most for the most part keep it together um uh so yeah i i agree i i mean yeah you probably shouldn't be doing it um could totally understand if someone did it um but uh but yeah probably not not the the right move you know um all right jack hidden ball trick you for it or against it the only time i've ever seen it was in rookie of the year <laughs> okay. I you know right, it, well, it, I feel like it did happen. Maybe it was in a spring training game as recently as a couple of years ago. Um, has it happened re- recently in the last few years? I don't know about that, Jack. But um, it's happened to. I think it's happened to Ozzy. It happened to Ozzy Guillen like twice in his career. Really? Yeah. Like, when he was he running was, the bases. Yeah, where he was like, um, they threw like at uh, you know, he was like at first they threw they picked him off they they threw a pick off at first base. And um, he took his hands off uh, the base to like, um, you know, dust himself off. And the, the first baseman still had the, the ball. Um, I, I want to say it happened more than once to Ozzy Guillen. Oh, Jesus. Um, that, was in, that was in his scouting report at some point, you know? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, again, it's a competitive advantage, I guess. But you're also making the guy look dumb. And and granted, he should be more tuned into the game, but like it's like I personally like I wouldn't feel too much pride tricking a guy on a on a thing like when he you don't expect to be tricked, you know. It's like so I, I'm not really into it, um, but uh, I guess it's gamesmanship. And honestly, hey, if it happened to like an asshole guy, I would be I probably would be all for it. But um, you know, to the average Joe, I'm not. I feel like it's like like come on like you got to do that this guy's got a family you know yeah yeah i at, at some point jeremy and this kind of goes back to the yelling at the opposing fielders uh, at some point there's just you know you, you should be kind of above uh running trick plays you know a little bit. Um, i would i would say so yeah yeah absolutely although i will say the fact that you know it happened to ozzy Gian maybe makes me <laughs> like the hidden thin ball trick a little more hey as ozzy Gian said as recently as a couple months ago uh i'm one of the i'm the best manager in the game and by a lot so <laughs> that, that is a literal quote that he said, uh, and it is in news articles. Um, <laughs> excellent. The last one we have, Jeremy, is give the ball to a kid. I mean, hey, rain delay theater classic, right? Give the ball to a kid. Right. You I, know, I feel like um, we've talked about this one, but we, we have. Um, and yeah, there's there's uh, differing opinions on it. Um, so you so you mean as a fan, if you get the ball, you should give it to a kid, right? Is yeah, that what you're saying? A, this is an unwritten rule for the fans. I think yeah. I think that, ooh, yeah, we should do, man, we should do a, an unwritten fan rule one. That This is a missed opportunity. That'll be that'll be a next episode. Uh, but sure. but this is a good one to debate right now. I think that the, the rule should be you don't take the ball from a kid, but I'm sure as hell not going to give the ball to a kid. You know, it's like it's like my Thai guy said, you know, they sit I mean, there yeah. because we let them sit there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then points at his forehead. You know, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't you know, I'm not going to I will say I actually think I think my Thai guy took took a ball from a kid in that. And then it's 
but he, he, he boxed him out for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, while while I, you know, agree that you shouldn't necessarily uh, take a ball from a kid, I'm 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 sure not going to give a give a kid a ball if I get one. Hell no. Fuck no, Jack. I'll 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 trump. I'll 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 see your, your hell no, and I'll raise you a fuck no. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, we we've talked about it. So like, yes, the age old question. You know, rain delay theater stance on it. Since we're talking about it, might as well reiterate it. It's an absolute no on give the ball to a kid. Forget, screw the kid. He can he can figure it out for himself. He won't appreciate the damn ball at, at like seven years old. Not as much as a forty year old Jeremy will appreciate it. Um, so screw him. I will say that you always you gotta maybe sometimes second guess yourself when you're when you're taking the same stance as my tie guy. Um, but you know. Um, that being said, uh, no, not giving the ball to a kid. I do know. remember Jeremy, spe- there, there was a specific incident. I think I was at, maybe it was like a Minnesota twins game or something. Um, and it, a guy got a foul ball and he gave it to a, a kid like, and, and then like, uh, the kid was like happy about it. And then the entire like section applauded this dude. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, great job, Lance a lot. Um, right. You know, and yes. hey, I, th- you know why he gave that ball to that kid? Because that guy probably wasn't a baseball fan, and he didn't give a shit. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. For 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 real. Yeah. Which sadly, probably most of the people in the stands are there just to drink beer. But yep. like, you know, and and maybe maybe he's been working game on on a on you know some some girl like yep. you know a couple seats down from him, and that that was the clincher. Yeah. Um. But uh, hey. I'm not I, again. I'd rather have the ball than uh, than some other things that you know in those situations. So, so yeah, man. I mean, hell, I pushed you out of the way for a. Baseball you did. You did. I just told. I just. I just told that story to somebody today at at work. Um, somebody asked me, "Have you ever gotten a ball?" And boy, did I tell them that story. So there you go. Well, there you go. Yes, right. Uh, well, that one's in the record books as well as uh, our stance on giving the ball to a kid. Yeah, don't give the ball to a kid. Don't give the ball even to your friend and podcast co-host. Um, so that's that's where we come down on it. Yeah, and, Jer- uh, Jeremy, uh, I sit there because Jeremy lets me sit there, you know. <laughs> Hey, well, we're I'm, we're better as friends, folks. We're better as friends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And um hopefully we'll be able to uh have another one of those moments soon. Yeah. Um in the in the baseball season. Um uh yes, yes. We'll leave it at that. But um I got I'm getting my second shot tomorrow, Jack. And, Excellent. And yeah. And mine is mine too. is April twenty sixth. So soon, soonly we'll yes. be doing it. Um yeah, I think we did we did it, Jeremy. Is that 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 all of them? Yeah, that's all I got for now. So, yeah. um, yeah, Sweet. well, you know, we, we can get into more fans do's and don'ts, um, you know, but, uh, Jack, isn't that really the, the whole podcast? Yeah, anyway? that, that is the whole pod. The la- <laughs> just listen to the last 115 episodes. <laughs> we don't yeah. need to do a whole one focusing on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll call it a day for now. Uh, so for rain delay theater, I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Strakowski. Take it easy folks. Peace.